if you're listening and you're not sitting down, <laughs> now might be the time just to pull up a little chair. Yeah, and also just just you know squeeze your buttocks just just for just because you can. Just because um, you can. <laughs> <laughs> it's about to get a little bit tender. Women Like You, the podcast for women who hate working out but know they should. I'm Sarah. I'm a GP and I work in women's health. And I'm Gab. I'm an audio producer and journalist. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land we're on today and pay our respects to their elders past and present. And we're back, baby. Woohoo! Woo-hoo. <laughs> no one's more excited than me. No one. <laughs> oh, my God. So a few months ago, I had a baby. Yay! And it turns out it was quite the experience. Um, I know that we said that we'd be back on the pod in early 2023. Did we say, like, oh, we'll be <laughs> you, back in February? You said that, and I thought, well, yeah. I know I haven't, I know I haven't done this whole mother thing, motherhood thing myself. But anyway, we are here. Oh, we are here. We said early twenty twenty. It's still early, right? Uh, it turns out having a kid, juggling all the joys and challenges that come with that, makes it hard to find time to record record a podcast, especially when your kid. Um, I mean, obviously, newborns don't really have any pattern whatsoever, but even as they start to get into some sort of, you know, routine, there's still no routine during the day. Like, you know, there'll there'll be times where I put him down and I'm like, cool, I think he's going to go for a good solid nap here. 20 minutes later, that kid (laughs) is up and we're, okay, we're we're going round again. And and realistically, like you, you, our last podcast was recorded when you were very heavily pregnant. So pregnant. <laughs> and and my guess is not sleeping terribly well at that point. Um, and now you have a newborn. When was the last time that you've had, you know, six hours consecutive sleep, let alone eight or nine? Um, yeah. Maybe like, like October. S- yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say yes. September, but maybe October, yeah. <laughs> so we were, we were being a little ambitious with this early 2022 business, but we are here and it's better late than never. And uh, boy, do we have a story for you. And seriously, though, a word of warning, this episode will talk about birth trauma. So if that's not something that you're able to take in today, maybe just sub out for now and Try it again next week. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but if you know, if you if you're here and you're up for the ride, holy shit, is it a ride? <laughs> <laughs> so basically, you know, what is it, a few months ago now? I was enormous. I was slow moving. I was aching all over and very, very swollen mm. and puffy. Um, I woke up one morning after another terrible night's sleep, and I was just feeling really uncomfortable. Um, and I know that they say in all of the birth classes that you do that you'll you'll know when you're in labor um but I, I would say that I didn't know I just I just like maybe looking back now I'd be like oh yeah that's that's clearly you, you you're in the start of labor but at the time I just felt really uncomfortable and because you're so uncomfortable during late pregnancy anyway it didn't feel any different I suppose so I just woke hmm. up just feeling generally pretty gross I moved myself to the couch and um I managed to watch the final episode of the final well, I think it's the final season of Hacks. Uh, excellent show, by the way. Uh, I, haven't, ha- I haven't clocked that one oh, yet. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Um, and then I'm, you know, sitting on the couch, I'm, I'm starting to feel increasingly uncomfortable. Baby was sort of stretching out, really sort of pushing different areas from within. And I was just, oh, just feeling so gross. I lay down on my side and that's when I felt a weird pain across the lower half of my stomach. And it kind of felt more like a poo pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd been at my sister-in-law Elle's 
parents' place the night before. We were celebrating her birthday. Uh, we had this delicious seafood paella for dinner. And I thought, you know, maybe that was just disagreeing with me. Obviously, foods are, foods are weird when you're pregnant. Um, mm. And then about five minutes later, I had the same pain. And this time I actually noticed um, that it lasted for about a minute and then went away. And that's when I clicked and went, oh, maybe this is what all those classes yeah. were. <laughs> and we were, we were pretty close to your estimated due date at this stage. Yeah, day, day before. Day before. Yep. So I'm going, okay, well, you know, but but interestingly, first baby, here's me thinking it's going to go late. You know, I, a dear friend from work had literally just had her baby 10 days late. So I was oh, like. Oh, I was sure you would go late. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's pretty that's normal, just right? how it, you know, how it, it, more often than not. I yeah. mean, there's an exception to every rule, but yeah. <laughs> I am the exception. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, you are exceptional. So, you know. So, you know, 6.15 in the morning is when I feel that first weird pain. I lay on the couch for about an hour and I got my phone out and actually timed the contractions. I used the timer on your iPhone, but I instead of doing laps of what would be exercise laps, I just they were contraction laps for me. I would just, you know, hit the lap button whenever I felt another one coming on. And I've taken a screenshot. I will share it to our socials. Uh, the first one, you know, five minutes, 27. The next one is five minutes, 55. And then five minutes, 26 later, we have another one. And then, oh, we go down to four minutes, 39 seconds. We go back up to six minutes, six minutes, six minutes, six minutes, four minutes, four minutes, six minutes. And it's sort of jumping all over the place, but basically for about an hour that happened. And that's what my midwife had said is when you're getting them roughly every five minutes for at least an hour, give us a call. That's when, you know, it's on baby. Yeah. So at about 7:30 a.m. I called the delivery ward to let them know that I was in labor. And even at that time, you know, they told me to expect a long labor. It was my first baby. That's very normal. They told me to prepare mentally to have this baby the next day, even the day after that. Um, mm. and just to go about my day as usual, take some Panadol, try to get as much rest as possible. <laughs> I remember like in the days leading up, you'd told me that you'd planned some baking. You were going to try and distract <laughs> yourself through the early phases of labor by maybe, you know, doing some baking, making yep. a little caramel slice yep. or something. Yep, yep. I, you know, I showered. I even blow dried and straightened my hair. I yeah, was just that was going. a very Kate Middleton moment, <laughs> I have to say. Uh, you know, I'm two hours in. And, and these contractions were really ramping up and the pain was getting so intense. They were about 75 seconds long, so sort of a minute, you know, minute, 15 seconds. Um, and Or an eternity. Or it, like, it, honestly, it felt like forever. All I could do to get through this was, you know, I had to pace. I was counting, you know, the 75 seconds. I was rubbing my belly. I was breathing. It was very, very painful. And I, look, I've had very very painful period pain before um, for most of my adult life, but this was next level. And I was thinking to myself, okay, if I've got a day, maybe two of these, oh, I'm not going to last. Um, so, you know, at, at this point, about two hours in, I woke my husband up. Um, he'd been very silly and had watched a, a very late Liverpool game the night before. <laughs> you know, we're, we're going, we're, we're, a, we're a couple of days away from the due date, plenty of time. She's not going to oh, pop. <laughs> so my, he, my word. he went to bed at like 4.30 in the morning that's, and look that's no shade on your husband no I'm just I'm just like please other women write in and tell us whether you would have allowed your husband to sleep in whilst you're in labor with your first child so funny so anyway, you're well, incredible sorry well, I, that's I, digress. The thing. I was just like I need for him to sleep as much as possible because if this is a 24-hour deal 
he needs to have, like, I need him to have more energy for when I don't later, you know. Yeah. So that was my mindset. But then at about 10.30, I was like, I, I, no. I, I can't do this. Sorry, not 10, about 8.30, I was like, I can't do this. So I woke him up and I said, you know, I need you to help me. Sorry, I woke him up and I said, okay, I'm in labour. Everything's fine, but I just need you to help me with, and I hadn't even got the sentence out. And he That man was on his feet. <laughs> <laughs> he was just like, like one of these cartoon launch out of bed yeah. moments. <laughs> it was so good. Um, I needed him to help me put on a TENS machine, which is a, how do you say this word, Sarah? Transcutaneous? Transcutaneous. Transcutaneous electrical nerve stimulation machine. Basically little electropads that you stick on four points of your back. Um, And when you feel a contraction, you press go and it sort of sends these like tingling, jabbing kind of sensation. It's supposed to distract you from the pain or, or like confuse your brain as to where the pain's coming from. It's a I'm just gonna say now, maybe if maybe if I'd had a different labor experience it would have been useful, but uh, I didn't and for that reason No. Maybe if you're using it to, to manage a little bit of pain from a muscle strain. Yeah. But yeah. Not, not this level of pain. Not labor. No, no. It distracted me for a bit, but it just if anything, it sort of started to jack me off because I kept pressing the wrong thing and, and then panicking because the pain was oh anyway. Uh, whatever. So <laughs> by about 10:30, uh getting really panicked here, very painful. My husband called delivery again and he told them that things were obviously really ramping up. And they said, look, you know, if she's not coping at home, come in. And it's at this point, just after 11 a.m. <laughs> Couple Sorry, it's, just the, it's just the concept of kind of not coping. I know exactly what they mean. Yeah. I would have said exactly the same thing. But it also is <laughs> sort of that little backhanded implication yes. that, you know, if you can't handle oh, it, if she can't handle it, then tell your, her to come in. in. Your pop. <laughs> Because it's not unusual for someone to present to delivery ward in labour and and to be sent home if it's oh, too yeah. early, you know. If, yep. Um, if if you've got a lot more dilation to go, they might send you home. And so, uh, but at the same time, they won't turn you away if you are really, you know, panicking yeah. and stressing out and it's very painful. They won't turn you away. So they just sort of said, you know, come on in if she's not coping. <laughs> after eleven a.m., just after eleven, I'm walking, I'm pacing the apartment, and I get to the dining room table, and I felt the first urge to push, and I literally panicked at this point. I said to my husband, I think we need to go. We need to go right now because I f- I'm feeling the need to push. And somewhere at, in some birth class or something that I read, I had read about um, sometimes as baby is descending into the into the birth canal, they can sometimes trigger your poo reflex, mm. your, your your the reflex you get to push a poo out. And that's like a like a um, superficial reflex. It's not the one that you need to push the baby out. Um, and basically you're not supposed to push at that point because it's it's not the right time. And so because it was so early in this labor, like I'm really only a couple of hours in and I'm being told it's going to be 24 hours, um, I'm thinking it's just the poo reflex. And so I'm thinking, shit, like if I'm already feeling the need to push now, I'm going to I'm going to need some help to slow this down because I can't I can't hold it. Um, at this point, my husband was like Tasmanian Devil, the cartoon character. He just, just, just I don't know what, he just zoomed around the apartment, collected everything that I had zip, prepared, zip, 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 zip. Yeah, everything that I'd prepared, got it into the car, got me into the car and we get to, get to the, you know, on the road to the hospital. I felt another urge to push in the car as we're turning the, into the road where the hospital is. I just, I remember saying, he's coming, like he's coming and my husband going, hold on, we're nearly there. <laughs> I get into the front door, I walk to the front desk, I hand them my yellow card, the lady there just went, bam, you know, hit, hit the button to open the big doors. Through I go, midwife standing right there who took my hand and I just like 
grasped onto this, you know, nursing station and just let out this almighty, like, grunt, this guttural sound that I've never made before and I may never make again. And at that point she just went, yep, we're going straight through to a delivery room. Like, she didn't even bother with an examination room. She was like, that's the sound. Let's yep. let's go. <laughs> like, we're, we're, this is, this I, is on. <laughs> I can spot a woman that's about to pop a mile off. <laughs> so we go straight into delivery room. And at this point, like, I, they're, they're coming hard and fast and they are long and they are intense and I am just, like, writhing like a possessed being going how like how do I handle this and you're still panicking thinking that you know it's only a few hours in I'm gonna she's gonna check my dilation and she's gonna tell me I'm like two centimeters or something <gasps> you know and so I'm just panicking anyway she pops her head down oh yep no we're nine and a half we're almost ready to go so just you know basically at that point too late for an epidural you know you can have a little bit of gas try and hold off pushing for as long as you can to kind of give the body time to stretch um but at, you know after about half an hour in there. We got there at 11.40, baby born at 12.14. I think it was like 10 minutes of pushing. <laughs> the, the, the midwives told me I'm basically now a um, like an urban, urban legend on the ward. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's one way. It's, it's one way to, to, uh, to, to get famous, I suppose. Oh, my gosh. Woo. <sighs> I mean, the plus side is very short. Like we're talking six hours total from start to finish. They reckon my pre-labor was, yeah, two hours and then it was go. Um, and then, yeah, 10 minutes of of the real deal at which point you can't have gas you can't have anything it's just you're just doing that pain free um and my god you know what it's it's funny I I can't think of the pain now it's like it's blocked in my memory it's not it's I can't um, I can't feel it yeah uh I mean I'm sure my body could but but in my mind I can't sort of feel it but but wow like at the time my husband said that my face was like just he, – he's like, I just have visions of your face as you were trying to push this baby out. <laughs> oh, zero, zero time, obviously, for the undercarriage yeah. to stretch and relax and prepare for the this whole is, baby this to come is, through. <laughs> this is where we're about to get to the uh, – I mean, not that this story has not been traumatic already, <laughs> but – uh, if, you, if you're listening and you're not sitting, sitting down, n- now might be the time just to pull up a little chair. Yeah, and also just, just you know, squeeze your buttocks just just for just because you can. Just because um, you can. <laughs> <laughs> it's about to get a little bit tender. Uh, yeah, basically as a as a result of a very fast labour, very unusual for a first-time um, pregnancy, as a result, I had a pretty significant tear down below. I had a very brief cuddle with Bub, who was born safe and well, uh, thank God, but a very brief cuddle, handed him over to my husband, who got a delightful hour and a half of skin-on-skin time with our baby. I was wheeled off to surgery. Um, oh, and it's, <laughs> it's at this point that I was given a spinal blocker, and holy shit, that felt yep. amazing. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> the anaesthetist joked at the time, he was like, yeah, so you've done this the wrong way around. You're actually supposed to have this before the birth. But, you know, like I'm really glad you got to experience experience it anyway. Oh, well. <laughs> <sighs> I have heard this story, like you've told it to me. I've been there when you've told it to others. It it doesn't get any easier to listen to. <laughs> I mean, it's... I've I've also seen the the product of this pregnancy and the product of this very difficult labor and you know he is absolutely perfect but my gosh oh yeah I mean not his fault this whole story <laughs> this whole story takes my breath away 
<laughs> I mean, that's the thing. Like, there was literally no time. I don't even think I, I didn't even get time to text you to say it's happening. Nope. And in nope. my mind, I thought that I'd be like, we'd had conversations about this. Yeah. You know, I, I was w- going to head down. Yeah. You were head down the mountain. Here. Yeah. You yeah, were yeah. like, even if I'm working, even if I'm taking, right. doing consults, I'll do it for my- <laughs> I'll take my laptop with me. We'll do telehealth. It'll be fine. <laughs> Anyway, no. well, the text that you got was, here's, here's the baby. <laughs> here's the baby. <laughs> and I was sitting with my husband at the time and I just went, holy um, shit. Um, th- th- they've, they've had him. It's happened. <laughs> and he was like, what are you talking about? I've gone, here. And I just turned the phone around. Like, there's he's a picture here. of a baby. What? He's here. Oh, oh he's the, here. The bluest, the bluest baby because the poor oh, thing was him. so bruised on the way down. Oh, anyway, he's fine. Well, I think you both were. Um, <laughs> anyway, tell me. Tell me about it. Uh, oh, my goodness. <laughs> all right. Let's all just let's all just take a nice deep breath. Women have been doing this for millennia. You're incredible. Women are incredible. But yes, let's now talk a little about perineal tears. Okay, so a perineal tear is when the skin and or the muscles of the perineum are injured during childbirth. So you can think of the perineum as being that skin that's between the vagina and the anus, which thins out and stretches over the baby's head or buttocks, but hopefully head, during delivery. Look, many women will need some stitches to repair tears or cuts from birth. And when giving birth for the first time, the risk of tearing in the area around the vagina and perineum is roughly about 80%. So that's good to know. know I'm- this is good to know after delivery. Not the <laughs> sweetest piece of information to know going in. But that does reduce to less than 50% with second or subsequent kids. The most frequent types of tears, gratefully, are superficial and they heal quite quickly and well they heal in fact they heal really quickly because Mm. it's such a vascular region so you know I've examined women who've had you know pretty decent superficial tears you know 10 days later and there's not necessarily a lot to see but deeper tears into the anus or the rectum aren't as common and (laughs) my dearest friend Gab you never do things by halves do you I do not (laughs) no so if we we then think about the different types of perineal tears they are classified by severity so there's first degree where we've got that superficial tearing of the skin or of the vagina heals very quickly second degree tear of the superficial muscles surrounding the vagina A third-degree tear involves the muscles that control the anus and a fourth-degree tear is tearing that extends into the lining of the anus. So sometimes during labour an episiotomy is performed to avoid tearing or at least to reduce it and almost, you know, give a little bit of a pathway so that the the tear happens, um, I suppose, less spontaneously Mm. and with a little bit of planning. Um, And, uh, yeah, so an episiotomy is a cut that's made with a scissor into the superficial muscles around the vagina to create space for the baby. In your case, Gab, there obviously was no time. He was already well and truly on his way. Now, within those classifications, there are subcategories depending on severity. So grade 1, A, B, C and so on. Grade 4C tear is the most severe. So, (laughs) Gabos, where did you end up on this scale? Look, I didn't go the worst, but I wasn't the least either. I went went the 3C. So, 
<laughs> the 3C is not a superficial tear. It tore all the way through to the butthole. And boy, have I heard the word sphincter a lot in the last few months. <laughs> you know, I got all stitched up. Um, within a couple of hours, I was back in the postnatal was in the postnatal ward for the first time um, with my husband and our brand new baby. Three nights in hospital, lots of incredible care by the midwifery team. Surgeons came to visit me and follow up and explain the process from here. A brilliant physiotherapist did as well, and, and she kind of painted a picture of what the next three, six, 12 months looks like for me. And interestingly, you know, everybody um, that I spoke to talked about, and for your next pregnancy, and I was like, <laughs> whoa, 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 let's just. I've been a mother for eight seconds. <laughs> Can we just uh, hold the phone? Um, but, you know, then. Then you're home and, and you're learning how to breastfeed a baby who's feeding every one and a half to two hours all day, every day. You're trying to find time to eat and sleep in those tiny windows between feeds. And basically all you want to do is lie down and sleep for a solid eight hours. And, and I remember thinking at the time, and I remember saying to my husband, like, this is obviously an incredible experience and, uh, you know, a, a brand new baby, just a, a complete joy. And I'm so grateful that that he's safe and well and everything, you know, worked out in the end. Um, but I just remember going, wow, this is relentless. Like this mm. is just nonstop all day, every day. And it, it, um, you know, there's no there's no point where you go, oh, but in a week it'll be better or in, in a few weeks it'll slow down. Like I think the closest you might get to it slowing down is, I mean, thinking about it, it was probably more like the eight to ten week yeah. mark before it starts to sort of level out, you know. But until – like that's a long time to be nonstop, you know. Oh, exactly. We wouldn't expect anyone else in the world to work those sorts of hours with that little sleep and mm. to also to be doing – a pretty important job which is you know keeping a newborn baby alive oh, yep. and yeah all of that and you're recovering from a birth injury and ultimately whether it's a severe birth injury or a superficial tear or you've had a c-section birthing takes a massive toll on your body there's no there is no easy easy way no there's no easier way look there's probably you know perhaps if you had uh been fortunate enough to have an epidural that may have been <laughs> you know that may have been easier but uh, but ultimately no matter no matter how you get that beautiful baby from the inside to the outside world it's it hard. takes a toll mm. and normally with an injury that's requiring surgery there'd be a period of bed rest for recovery in in any other injury <laughs> yep. any other injury you break your leg and you need to have it you know internally fixed 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 say <laughs> Internally fixed. We're back, baby. Um, in- <laughs> internally fixed. You know, you, you pop a cast on that leg. You're on crutches. You rest it. Mm. But after childbirth, you're straight into caring for and feeding a baby around the clock. There is no downtime. There is no putting your feet up in the traditional sense. And, yeah, I mean, as a doctor, this is not what I would normally suggest to my patients who are recovering from surgery. No. But yeah. So, so you've had this surgery. Much mothers are incredible. <laughs> they are. You've had this surgery. You know, you need to re- recover. Please just, you know, get up every one and a half to two hours. Um, don't eat particularly well. Don't sleep particularly well. <laughs> you know, carry this thing around nonstop. <laughs> like, yeah. Have it literally draining its life source from you. All of those things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, you know, there's, there's the physical aspect of it. Breastfeeding is is really hard. It doesn't happen straight away. It certainly 
didn't for me. It took us about, you know, six weeks really to kind of get comfortable, get everything working without pain or cracked nipples or milk flying out of his nostrils, which also happened. You know, you're also like you're learning on the job. The both of you are learning on the job. Um, You're also lifting and bending and holding a weight in a way that you haven't before. Um, Obviously, they're they're not heavy, but you've never had to hold a weight in place for long periods of time before, you know? In- no, no. And particularly not whilst you're also multitasking. Yes. Not whilst, you know, not whilst you're also changing your pad. Not whilst yes. you're also, you know, trying to, I don't know, you know, sterilise a nipple guard or whatever the case may be. You know, you're, you're awkwardly holding this beautiful creature whilst doing, doing a thousand all these other things. things. Yeah, yeah. Sitting down is painful if you've had stitches. I remember um, when you and your husband uh, came down to visit, you know, just to, like it was a few days after we'd gotten home from hospital and your husband is one of the funniest humans in the world and he kept saying things that were making me laugh and I kept having to like <laughs> hold myself because I was like, Casey, if you don't stop, I am going to pop a stitch. I cannot handle this, please. Like you're making me feel amazing but also, oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> enough know. with the wisecracks, buddy. <laughs> Plus, you know, you are swollen down there as hell. In, in hospital, the irony of this, in hospital they give you condoms filled with water that have been frozen um, and they're basically condom ice packs and you shove that uh, in, against your hoo-hoo and, uh, and, that. and you're like, if only I'd have thought of a condom first. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly that. You know, obviously if you've had stitches like me, you can't wipe down there after going to the toilet so you have to wash with a little, they call it a peri bottle, you give yourself a, a mini bidet type situation. Um you know, and if you've had an injury like mine, as severe as mine, you have to be very, very careful when you do a poo. You can't push at all. No straining. It's just you have to wait for it to flow out of you. And it's just, it's a, it's a terrifying experience. I was going to say, that must be terrifying. <laughs> I mean, I have become so well acquainted with the Bristol stool chart. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, my God. And, yeah, the word sphincter. I now have to use a, a stool, not a, not a poo stool, uh, like a stool under my feet. Um, and for the first six weeks, yeah, after birth, I was wasn't allowed to push at all and I mean I'm still terrified to poo but um it, it going to the bathroom is a whole ordeal so you know mm. if, if you're doing that in a rush because there's a baby crying because you need to feed it's it, you can't sort of relax and take your time on top of that your boobs are constantly leaking delightful <laughs> your skin is dry as hell gorgeous you've got after pains your uterus is shrinking back down to Absolutely. size as you mentioned <laughs> you're, you're bleeding um stitches on your hoo-hoo and you're getting tiny bits of sleep broken up across the day and then there's the fact that you're supposed to be factoring in some kind of light exercise to help with blood flow and healing (laughs) rightio so how's that going (laughs) i mean i'll be honest i I really lent into the exercise sloth ways (laughs) hey that 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 was that was rest and recovery that was rest and recovery i mean exercise is not recommended until at least six weeks after giving birth Definitely no swimming during this time because that can certainly increase the risk of infection. And let's face it, activities such as weights or dynamic jumping exercises should be avoided due to the risk of injury and your healing. You don't need that stuff to be jiggling around any more than it already is in the no doubt hundreds of times per day that you're getting in and out of chairs, you know, up and down from bed. So whilst you weren't doing any, let's say, formal exercise you were moving your body but it was 
so important that you didn't overdo it. Mm. So, yeah, generally we say wait until you get the all clear from your GP at the six-week check or your physio if you're hoping to do something a little bit more intense than walking or light exercise. Do not rush it. Do not make those decisions alone. No, absolutely not. And that's the thing, like, I I mean, I would say we were probably about three or four weeks before we'd sort of ventured out into the world and, and I'd started to do some very light walking and, mm. and look, 10 minutes and I was absolutely cooked. Um, you know, there was there was groin pain, there's pain across your kind of pubis, you know, region at the front because that's been completely stretched in the, in the process of you know, popping a kid out there, popping a, a head through there. Um, but you just like the, the thought of is the thought of doing exercise is just like no, I just no. But but <laughs> but everyone tells you all the you know a, a lot of the health providers, a lot of um, the midwives, everyone will sort of say you know make sure that you're getting outdoors, make sure you're getting some movement, make sure you're getting some walking in, and it's just like well uh, yeah, and but, and you know we know that uh, one of the highest risk times for developing a DVT is in that postnatal period. And one of the best things that you can do to prevent DVTs is a little bit of mobility. But it's it's a balancing act. Oh, yeah. The, the, the reality, like, you know you should. Like, literally the, the name of our podcast for women who hate working out, but no, <laughs> you should. You know that you should, but trying to make that happen is mm. is is literally like trying to climb Mount Everest it's, well, it's a level of exhaustion that that you simply would never have felt before no absolutely not um, the hospital did give me this great little book when I was discharged and it's called postnatal resource booklet and breastfeeding um, and in the exercising afterbirth section which I read you know way way later than they probably <laughs> wanted me to exercising afterbirth it says uh, start gentle walking upon discharge and gradually increased duration as pain permits aim for one hour by six to eight weeks now i am what am i like 14 or 15 weeks post birth now yep. and i'm not walking an hour i mean maybe across the day uh you that's, know that's <laughs> aiming for one hour per day or one hour per week it just says uh aim for one hour i think it's one i think it was one hour per day it doesn't specify but then it says aim to build up to exercising five times per week for 20 to 30 minutes per session yeah, I think that's I think that's one hour per week. I think that's ten minutes a day with a day off. I hope so because I mean I didn't I didn't even do the ten minutes a day with a day off. <laughs> then we're high. We're, I'm I'm, I'm high fiving you. I'm giving you a whole pass on this one. It says your body will let you know when you are ready and how much you can and cannot do. Certainly told me how much I could not do. When you are tired, rest. You may only be able to manage short periods of exercise initially, i.e. 10 minutes. I mean, I'm going to say zero minutes. But anyway, um, the uh, the other, I mean, the the, the, the other thing that, um, that is recommended is pelvic floor exercises. Um, as soon as you leave hospital, and that's, that's you know, my physio um, who came to see me straight after, well, day after the birth and kind of... She she outli- outlined a, a very stark picture of what my future could be if I don't kind of uh, do the pelvic floor exercises. Yep. Which, we do need to prioritise it. <laughs> which involved, you know, I could have been someone who just farted or pooed spontaneously with no control. Um, luckily that hasn't happened and my all of my functions have uh, come back to me, which is great. But, um, you know, when somebody says that to you, <laughs> you could be the farty person in public. You're like, oh, fuck, I better, I better start doing my pelvic floor yep. exercises. Um, you know, so pelvic floor you can kind of do straight away. You know, things like squeezing and holding for three to ten seconds or those kind of rapid squeeze, hold, release. Um, that can be done as soon as you're discharged. But, um, 
yeah, I can I can tell uh, you. Uh, I'm doing them now. Yeah, yeah. Squeeze, mm. release, squeeze, release. Mm. Um, I mean, they help with things like, I mean, your pelvic floor has been significantly weakened because of the process of pregnancy anyway, because of the That's pressure. Right. That's right, which is, a, which is a common misconception when people think that having, you know, a caesarean section is some kind of get-out-of-jail-free no. card um, and, and that you will avoid, you know, pelvic floor injuries or pelvic floor weakness and dysfunction if you have a caesarean. It's just... Unfortunately, it's simply it's simply not true. Mm. Um, you know, you certainly may minimise certain types of traumatic injuries to your pelvis via a cesarean section, but your pelvic floor will be weak if you have carried a baby to term. Absolutely, the pressure, just the the downward pressure. Um, and so, yeah, you'll you'll absolutely notice during pregnancy and certainly post pregnancy. Um, you know, things like when you sneeze or cough, you've really got to focus on. Otherwise, um, you will wear your pants. Um, or in my case, I could have pooed my pants if I hadn't um, regained that that strength around my sphincter, Sarah. Mm. My sphincter. Sphincter. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, interestingly, every um, every medical professional that I have spoken to post birth, you know, physios, uh, surgeons, doctors, um, have all have all basically drummed it into me that pelvic floor exercises are forever. You know, that regardless of whether you have a baby ever or not, pelvic floor exercises are for life. They're for life. Yeah, and, and that's something that I was that really kind of took me aback, not just because I've obviously had a significant birth injury, but because I just never really considered it. I mean, I know we had that amazing conversation with Angela from the Sydney Pelvic Clinic um, last year, Um but I, even then I would be like, oh, yeah, but you only need to do pelvic floor exercises when something's wrong, right? No. It's, it's, it's all about prehab. And obviously as women go through various stages of life um, and our hormones change. Absolutely, yep. Particularly, you know, perimenopause and menopause. Um, it's Yeah, it's, 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 like that, it's so important that we, we keep doing those pelvic floor exercises. Mm. I, I might leave um, – I might leave some of them, for, like the things that I've been doing until um, next episode because – it's there's probably a little bit to go through in terms of like some of the stuff that I, I'm doing and some of the stuff that you can do, which is just very generic. But then also, obviously, if you want something more specific to you, um, I obviously highly recommend going to a, a pelvic floor physio, um, as I have been very lucky enough to be doing, um, because it's just, yeah, it is for life, basically. Otherwise, we're going to end up with, you know, all, all kinds of things later down the track. Yeah. No one wants to poo. Life. No one wants to poo their pants. <laughs> no, no, or be unable to poo their pants. Yes, um, <laughs> yes, absolutely. It goes both ways. It does go well, both ways. I mean, exactly. As a, uh, as, you know, it, this is the. It's the podcast for women who hate working out, but know they should. It's also the podcast for oversharing. Um, <laughs> And, uh, women and who are nervous pooers, women who are... As we have discussed in one of our previous pooping episodes, you know, I, I often tend to to be a uh, a limited pooer, a, con- mm. a constipation pal. Yeah. Um, and when I was at your house the other day, my God, I'm getting one of those uh, one of those little footstool things. Potty that- squatty, squatty potty, whatever they're potty, called. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yep. I, haven't squeezed, I haven't squeezed out a baby, but I could still use one of those. Oh, no. I mean, if you think about um, just how we're designed, we're not, we were not meant to sit on a toilet to evacuate our bowels. You know, we would have previous to toilets being a thing, we would have squatted yeah. in the forest. So yep. basically this, this contraption is just it's a happy medium. <laughs> You don't have to go to the forest to squat. I, mean, I, I enjoy the great outdoors as much as the next person. But I mean, she did move to the mountains. Uh, <laughs> no. Oh, so good. Squatty potty. 
It's Cody Potty, highly recommend. Also, big shout outs to the incredible team at the Sydney Pelvic Clinic. Um, I have been there several times. I've got a really specialist, you know, program that I'm following and it's been amazing. And also just kind of really helping me get my confidence back. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, because it, it is a trauma and you do kind of have to, like like any injury, you do have to kind of trust the trust the muscles, trust the the scar tissues, trust that everything is has come mm. back together and it's working, and that you can use it again effectively. Um, and so they have been amazing. And with such an injury, I think you also need to feel as though you can trust your health professionals because mm. this is it's a very intimate part of your life that you're sharing with uh, with your physios, with your doctors. So mm. um, you know the fact that they have been able to provide what is ultimately a really safe space for women who are dealing not just with the physical trauma but also the psychological trauma of, of difficult births. Um, yeah, and wonderful. Then, and then everyone's saying, and for the next one, and you're like, ah, just like, whoa. No, thank you. <laughs> my head's But I will take some of those condoms home. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Frozen, please. Uh, oh, my God. Just, uh, yeah, incredible. Um, I also um, do want to share a link that um, absolutely, my, absolutely. my physio shared with me. It's uh, uh, basically a, a link for um, birth trauma counselling. So there's a, an amazing group called birthtrauma.org.au and there's a peer-to-peer support program. Um, so birthtrauma.org.au. If this is something that um, you have experienced or you know someone that maybe has isn't isn't dealing with what they went through um, uh, as well as mm. you know they could I guess um, yeah definitely hit that up for for some support because yeah you're absolutely yeah. not alone and there's and there's no time frame when it comes mm. to birth trauma you may have had you may have had your kid five years ago ten years ago even even longer but if you feel as though you haven't had the opportunity or the environment to process some of that trauma then yeah birth trauma Org.au. Yeah, the body keeps the score. There's there's an incredible book. Oh, the body does yes. keep the score. I actually had I had a, at one point, you know, speaking of oversharing, at one point one of the um, tests that you have to do, obviously, to see how everything is healing down there. I had to have a rectal exam, which is mm-hmm. a fun experience. Uh, and I sat in the car afterwards, breastfeeding, um, and I just tears were just streaming down my face. Like I, I was completely okay. I had, I had the shakes as well. Like my body was physically yep. releasing, I think, um, some of the trauma, I guess, that it had been holding on to. Because the other thing with yeah, childbirth is you, there's no time for you to process it. You're straight into focusing on keeping this beautiful little being alive and fed and well. And, you know, you don't really get time to think about yourself. Ha <laughs> ha. Being a woman. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but, but then, you know, you, it, obviously, your body is hanging on to that for you and, and protecting you, and then you know something happens. It's that's quite you know you, you, where you feel quite vulnerable, or or you're you're forced to kind of face what you went through, and then all of a sudden the body goes, "Hang on a second, <laughs> yeah, that was pretty intense, um, and I'm going to need to let out some of this because um, I can't hang on to it forever." So, yeah, I can. I mean, uh, mentally feeling feeling very good and in a in a great place. Certainly, way better than I was, you know, a few months ago, but. Um, yeah, I, I cannot recommend talking about this enough because, yeah, if you hang on to it, it's only going to come back to bite you in the ass, pardon the pun, um, at some point down the track. <laughs> oh, dear. Beautiful. Beautifully said, Gab. Anyway, that's my birth story. <laughs> but he's here and he's great. We're having a great time. <laughs> oh, he's awesome. I adore him. Totally smitten, utterly in love with that little man. Oh, me too. He goes all right.
podcast is produced by me, Gab Burke, and music is by Hamish Camilleri. Please subscribe to our weekly newsletter at womenlikeyoupodcast.com. I'm Gab. And I'm Sarah. And next week... Yeah, well, I'll definitely go through some of the pelvic floor exercises that you can start doing. Um, But also, actually... uh, over summer, before I gave birth, when I still had time to do things, I read this great article about um, a cheeky way to develop a habit that you want to keep going. So, for example, for us, that would be an exercise habit, which is slightly different from the, the approach that you and I have taken. Okay. And I thought it was I'm really interesting. Always happy to take a different perspective. Yeah, yeah. So I, it was it was really interesting and I, I made a mental note to save that article uh, because I knew that I would <laughs> lose track of it later. Um, but it was just, yeah, a different approach that I thought if, if the way that we've been doing it hasn't worked for you so far, this, um, this approach that I read about might be a good one to try. So I'll talk about that Excellent. too. One final shout out is that I just wanted to, to lather some praise on the wonderful Emmy O'Neill. Yes! Who was, uh, who was on our podcast. Oh gosh, was it last year or the year before? It was probably this time recall. last year, I think. About yeah. this time last year. So Emmy is a, uh, a kidney transplant recipient and she has just been at the World Transplant Games in... Perth. Yes. And, uh, and I think they have recently wrapped up. She knocked out a bunch of personal bests she's coming home with a swathe of medals she is fantastic and uh yeah so from from us here at women like you emmy we we salute you that was just yeah you're outstanding Mm, uh, phenomenal just yeah so inspiring love you emmy love your work all right so is that a wrap yeah it's a wrap baby we're back (laughs) we're back we remembered how to do it to press all the buttons and stuff (laughs) we think we did yeah well fingers crossed we'll see how this turns out in the wash (laughs) Uh, it's been a delight my friend i love you love you too give the little fellow a kiss on the head from me i will do bye bye bye